welcome to Women Who Love Jesus. My name is Kristen Stockfish, and this is episode 13. My friend, new friend, Morgan Benichini is on the podcast with me today, and I could not be more excited to introduce you to her. I found her on Instagram, and through some messaging back and forth, we figured out that not only do we go to the same church, but we live in the same neighborhood in Austin. What is life? So I'm pretty much going to make her be my friend, and you will want the same after you hear her story and hear her heart. Morgan is a third grade teacher here in Austin, and her and her husband Garrett have been married for seven years, and she also has an amazing business of lettering and different products that I'll link um, right here in the show notes for you. But she is biracial. That is a huge part of her story. And we get to hear the perspective of belonging and not belonging that has been a part of her story. So listen in, lean into this conversation, you guys. It is so important for what is happening culturally, for what is happening with race, and it is so important as a woman who loves Jesus to hear another one, another woman who loves Jesus, express her heart in this kind of way. You will be better for it, I promise. I was like fist pumping when she was talking. I even told her that at one point. So we welcome you in. We're so happy you're here, and I'll see you on the other side. I love people that I can celebrate in Austin, Texas, first of all, that live in my actual city. And then how fun it was for me to find out that you go to my actual church too. On top of that, you're a teacher of third graders and you have this business of hand lettering and different products that you do that is so beautifully done and really cool, but also um, just pushes people in a very gorgeous way into truth. And so I would love to know a little bit about you in the sense of why it is and how it is that you are today a woman who loves Jesus. Those mostly the people that we have on this podcast. We've had one guy and that kind of broke the rules, but um, <laughs> why, <laughs> why and how did you come to be just yourself with Jesus, a woman who loves him? Yeah. I love this question. And I love that we can all connect on this level. I, so luckily I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up going to church. I grew up um, in children's ministry and then youth group. And I, looking back, I recognize how blessed I was and how kind God was to me by putting me in a church that really raised me in truth and taught me about who Jesus really was, the, the true Jesus, and taught me the explicit gospel. Um, and so I grew up knowing a lot about Jesus, and I came to know him at a really young age. God put me in community and surrounded me with mentors and leaders and an incredible church family, as I said, that really shaped and poured into me and invested in my walk and in my growth as a believer. And I didn't at the time recognize how significant that was and how unique and special and important that was. And as I've gotten older and I can look back on that, my childhood and, and teenage years, that time in my life, I can just see how good God was to do that for me. And so that's really you know, how I came to know about Jesus and know him. And when I went to college is when my heart 
for Jesus really, really just grew exponentially. I, I was off on my own, you know, five hours away from home. And it was the first time in my life I had to actually take all this truth and knowledge and things I truly believed and loved about God that I had to actually decide whether or not I wanted it to be what, you know, what I lived by and what I rooted myself in and whether I wanted it to be my identity and who I was. And God just captivated me. And um, I feel like he just took hold of my heart. As I said, yes, at a young age, but even more so intensified that love, I suppose, when I was in college. And again, I was so lucky to be in an incredible community in college, incredible community of believers, men and women around me who loved God and were pursuing God. And I got to walk alongside them and learn from them. And so God used that, of course, in, in deepening my, my knowledge about him and love for him too. And so I'm thankful for that and the people he's placed around me and the ways that he's just captivated my heart and shown me that there is no hope and joy outside of him. And I've tried, like I've looked other places, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've gone to other other sources and come up empty every single time. And so I've just seen time and time again, how faithful and good Jesus is and that there's no better way. There's no other way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think in a lot of ways to look back, I, I told someone recently that I, in college, I thought I was just re- making really good decisions, you know, because I was like, oh my gosh, I, I go to this ministry, I have these friends, I have this great mentor, and all of these things seem to be falling into place as far as my spiritual life goes. And you look back now, and you're like, the unbelievable grace of God to be putting me in these pockets of people that could spur me on and lead me more towards him. It's like that had absolutely nothing to do with me. And in the moment, you're just like, no, I think I'm, I'm doing the right thing here. <laughs> it's just so funny looking back in that way. Yes. And I think in so many ways, you probably have good community all around you because of God's grace, but also because you're probably just a good friend too. I'm pretty convinced if like you're a good friend, then you usually have some pretty good friends. Um, okay. I, I would love to know a little bit about points of your story that maybe you felt like you belonged completely. And if there were any parts of your story that you would say, like, that was a pain point that I could say that I didn't really feel like I belonged because a lot of the, the reason behind this podcast is because we think that to be a woman, a woman who loves Jesus, you have to either look or a certain way or do certain things or not do other things. And that's true according to God's word. But on top of the, that, all these other things that we add, sometimes in God's own kingdom, we don't feel like we belong because of what people are telling us or what we're telling ourselves or what the enemy is throwing at us. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Any season that you felt like maybe I didn't belong in a season that you, that you did? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, so I'm biracial and I've been thinking, you know, especially with, with everything going on in our world right now and um, this movement that we're experiencing with anti-racism, which is incredible. I've done more reflecting over the past three to four months, maybe mm-hmm. even a little bit longer than that, than I have in probably 10 years. Um, just really taking the time and allowing myself the space 
to go places in my heart that I hadn't really gone to in a long time. And, and one of those is being, having grown up biracial. And I, I did, I'm so thankful. Again, I grew up in a really diverse community, um, a mm -hmm. suburb near Dallas-Fort Worth. And I grew up with a lot of friends of various races and cultures, which was incredible for me. And again, something I look back on and I'm so grateful for. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I was always the white girl with my black friends and I was the black girl with my white friends. And I just always felt this piece of me it was kind of missing, or at least that I wasn't whole, you know, it was like, I was the half black girl, or I was the half white girl. Um, and I didn't, I, I don't think that I really have come to terms until recently with how impactful those beliefs were that I was like half that I was partial or that I was mm -hmm. not full or complete. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, the first time I, I even knew that I was so unique or, you know, that I, that being biracial was different, I suppose, was when I was in second grade and a little boy called me a zebra. And, and then another time, um, also in second grade, I was not invited. I was the only kid in the class not invited to a birthday party. And the kid told me it's because my white mommy had married a black daddy. And oh that was God. the first time that I was like, huh? You know, I, I had no awareness that people saw that as a problem, that that was something that would require someone to not want to be my friend or for a parent to tell their child that I couldn't be around them because of a choice my parents had made and because they were not the same race. And so that was like my first memory of, of becoming aware that I didn't fully belong. And I, I want to say that I had incredible friends growing up. I mean, I, my two best friends I grew up with, Jenna and Christy, I, I always felt like I belonged with them. I never felt that I didn't belong or that I had to be a certain way or act a certain way with them. And I was surrounded by so many incredible people that I grew up with and played basketball with and in my church that absolutely loved me and cared for me and made me feel like I did belong. But there was still this this feeling, um, as I said, where I, I just felt like I was a part of both groups, but not fully, like I was on the inside, but not fully on the inside. And I think some of it too was, was a little bit, um, my own perspective maybe in false reality. And in, in, in some ways, I, I don't think I was very comfortable in my skin and I struggled with the fact that I was biracial and didn't really know what my identity was or, or who I was and how I wanted to wear my hair, you know, mm -hmm. I was struggling through all that. And so I may have perceived that I was not belonging or that people didn't accept me as I was um, more than was actually real. You know, I don't, I don't mm -hmm. totally know, but I know that I, I did carry this feeling that I'm not fully something, you know, I'm not enough mm -hmm. of, of one or the other. And one, one um, experience I have that, that really sticks out to me too is when I was a junior in high school, I've shared this story a little bit with, with people before, but I was a junior in high school and I was dating a black guy at the time and he ended up breaking things off with me. And he said the reason why he was ending it was because his mom only wanted him dating black women. And I was like, but I am black. I'm what? And I'll never forget. He said, yeah, but not really. You're not 
fully black, so you don't count. And again, it was just another moment of I'm incomplete. I can't, I can't please either side. Like I can't be fully what they want me to be because then if I, if I do that or I try to do that, then I'm abandoning this other part of me and there's something wrong with this other part of me. So then what am I, you know? Um, And so, yeah, a lot of that growing up and I've had to, I've started the process of working through some of that more recently, um, specifically in counseling and just talking through it with, with my husband and close friends and family members, trying to kind of sort through those, those layers that I didn't always recognize were there. Um, so yeah, those are times I've, I felt there were definitely times I felt I, I didn't belong, but I also have felt so loved and known and seen and cared for as well in mm-hmm. mostly in church community, honestly. Yeah. And what's weird and I, another, you know, tension I, I've learned that I kind of have is I, I feel like I've been most hurt by people within the church when it comes to my race, but at the same time, I've also been most loved by people in the church when it comes to my race. And so mm-hmm. there's a, there's an interesting tension there, but the community that God has put around me, especially right now here in Austin and just the close friends that he's put around me over the years have, have always made me feel like I'm seen and known and um, that I belong and that they love me and care for me. And so I'm really grateful for those people wow. that's placed around me. Oh, that's amazing. What a, yes, what an incredible story. And I know that God weaves all of ours and writes all of our stories uniquely but it is a unique story that you get to be living out. And sometimes I'm sure that can feel really empowering. Like, wow, God, I can't believe you trust me with this story. And sometimes it probably feels exactly like what you just described. Like, oh, great. Like another area where it doesn't feel necessarily like I belong in a certain category. But can you talk a little bit about where Jesus entered in to those moments, because as a second grader, it might've been like, of course he is always with us and how healing it is to think back, like he was there and protecting and present and all of that. But as far as your identity in him, how has that helped shape your sense of belonging, especially when it comes to race and how it is that you look and what that Um, just kind of implies with your everyday life? Yeah. You know, I've had to come to really believe, not just with my mind, but with my heart, that God and his sovereignty knit me together and created me exactly as I am. And I know that we, most people, at least believers, like we know that to be true. We know that God created us, but, and I always, I always knew that, but I think it's taken me really coming to believe that with my whole heart that God is was so intentional and thoughtful and purposeful in making me biracial. I didn't just turn out biracial. I didn't just happen to be biracial and God's like, well, whoops, I guess we'll make it work. God decided before the beginning of time that I would be biracial. He, he ordained it and he, he purposefully and intentionally designed me that way. And that's taken me a really long time to come to believe, but I think I've gotten to a place where I, I really do and my heart believes it. And so it's allowed me to embrace it. Whereas before I felt it was more of a burden more times than not. Um, yeah. And this thing that again, you know, 
got me attention. I felt like I always had some weird attention from people because I think they were just intrigued or confused about what I was, what I am. Um, but it also, I didn't always love the way it, it put this attention on me. And of course these feelings of, I don't belong anywhere. And it's, it's taken me realizing that my identity is, is in who Jesus says that I am. And that is that I, I am a daughter of God and I am beloved and that he did not mess up when he created me. And, um, it's really hard to, to believe that, like to really believe that, but yeah. I'm, that's kind of where I am. And I think that as I've grown to believe that I've, I've become less ashamed or guilty, I suppose, mm-hmm. for being unique and carrying these two sides of me. And I think too, you know, a couple of people have, have told me over the past couple of months that they see me as a bridge between these two worlds kind of you know these two sides that unfortunately i would not there shouldn't even be these two sides but unfortunately in the world that we live in there it kind of is and and there you know they've just a few people in my life have just spoken over me that god is using me as a bridge I'm, i'm i can be used to bridge the gap between these two sides and be a voice that can be received and heard by both sides um, and so I just see God's intentionality and in, in wanting to use me in that way. And so I, um, that's helped me <laughs> to accept what, how he's created me a little bit more and, and coming to believe that it was, it was intentional and that it's, it's for good, that he wants to use it for good. He wants to use my story for good. And he wants to use it to um, initiate and create conversations that may not, may not happen otherwise. Yeah. Wow, that's really beautiful. And something I was thinking just while you were talking about that is the idea that what started as like a very um, separated, like I don't belong here and I don't belong here. So do I belong anywhere? What like only God kind of a redemption story to take something like that and say you belong both places and how unique that you are the own one of the only ones that can say like I belong both in both camps and what that might mean for the redemption story that he's writing even just in our country right now. Can you talk a little bit about what this year, 2020, specifically when it comes to race, like what it has been stirring up in you. I know there's probably so much of that that's just personal when it comes to um, your story. And um, there's probably more of like a broad stroke too, just from what you can uniquely see. So um, just what has been stirring up in you in the midst of everything that's been going on in this cultural kind of moment that we're in, um, specifically in this country with race? Yeah. Um, gosh, a lot of things, as you said, in a lot of these things, I, I, you know, I said earlier, one, on a very personal level, it has revealed to me the, um, just the spaces in my heart that I haven't really gone. And it's shown me some wounds and hurts and confusion and misbeliefs that I've not dealt with, that I hadn't dealt with, that I've needed to really sit with and face and look at and confront. And so, um, on a personal level, it's really brought me to a point of self-reflection and allowing God to kind of pull back these layers and will help me work through some of what I haven't and how, 
you know, as I said, growing up and being biracial and, and just the experiences that I've had as a result. And so that's been, you know, really on the forefront. It's also stirred up in me definite sadness, um, feelings of, of betrayal, um, just learning that people in my life who, you know, are friends of mine and people who I believe care for me and love me, but just with all these conversations going on, it's been revealed to me that there are people in my life who are openly anti-interracial marriage and who openly use racial slurs and, um, you know, and that, that's been really hard for me to accept and to come to know to be true. And so just some feelings of sadness and, and betrayal, I guess, bitterness there that I'm, I'm trying to work through with the Lord and understand what to do with that. I also feel a lot of hope at the same time because we are in a time when race is being talked about, I feel like more than ever before, yeah. specifically within the church. You know, we, as a, as a church have not really talked about race or really called out racism as sin and really dealt with it. Um, and it's, it's happening more than ever before. And that brings me a lot of hope that this darkness in our world and in our history and in our society and country is being brought to light and is being exposed and we're being forced to look at it and not look away from it. And that brings me hope. And I've seen so many people come to on both, you know, black, white, red, blue, and otherwise come to yeah. a place of repentance and um, come to a place to see, including myself, you know, where they've misunderstood or um, been hurtful or where there are hints of racism in their own hearts. And so I see a lot of redemption and healing and growth happening, which is super encouraging mm -hmm. and bring, again, brings me hope. And um, I'm just thankful that we're being forced to look at this and that yeah. social media is exposing it in a way that it hadn't before. Um, but it's heavy, you know, it's just the constant reminder of like the darkness and the evil and the sin and brokenness that's in our world is really heavy. And, um, especially because I, there are a lot of, there are a lot of black people in my life that I love deeply, yeah. specifically my dad and my older brother. And I just, I think back to stories I've been, I've experienced with them and things I've witnessed with them of just overt, clear acts of racism. And um, it's just, it's hard to kind of go back and remember and, and be reminded of, of what's out there. But as I said, I also feel a sense of hope too. And I've also done a lot of, had to do a lot of soul searching within myself and just recognizing my own sin when it comes to racism and where I have work to do within myself. Um, and I think a lot of people are feeling that, you know, that we've all kind of, I hope, especially as believers come to a place of recognizing, wow, there's a lot of sin out there and a lot that needs to be addressed out there, but there's a lot that needs to be addressed in here within me and within my home and within my family and within my heart as well. And that's, and I've, I've been work, walking through that too. So. Wow. Yeah. I, um, I can think about just even in my own heart through all of this, I had like the great honor when we still lived in California to have um, a number of women come around my table because I was just praying then like, God, I just, 
I really want friends that don't look like me. Like, please, will you bring them to me? And I kind of pictured this being like, um, you know, moms or someone my own age. And mm-hmm. all the while I'm going to these colleges and ministering to these athletes and most of them don't like me. And it's just such a cool thing that it's like, open your eyes, Kristen. And so I, they were my teachers. These, these Mm -hmm. young college women would come over and just, I would not say anything. And I would let, I just wanted to hear their specific stories and their hurts and anything that they wanted to share with me and what an honor that they would and that they could trust um, just each other and me in that way. But um, it began something in me, Morgan, that you can't like look away anymore. And, right. um, and I, I, I'm thinking of like the, the white girl at church, you know, like we, there's probably a lot of us sadly, you know, but there's, there's a lot of us there, but that typical just white girl at church, that something new is being stirred up in them. I think everyone wants to know like, well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And that's like the question that everyone's asking and there's so many great resources and so many things to learn in order to be pointed that way but I would ask you just from your specific vantage point what do you tell them to pray like they want to change they want God to be the one that actually changes and transforms their heart when it comes to this area so there's lots we can do which is so cool But like you said, unless it starts at a heart level with us, it will either fizzle out or it will be completely wrong in the motives that we're going after it. And so what, what would you just in your wisdom advise us to, to pray? Yeah. You know, my prayer, I'll just share what, what I've been praying, what I feel like God has been speaking to my heart to pray. And that is, you know, very similar to what you just said, which is God change me, change my heart, give me a new heart and reveal any sin that's in my heart. Because we, you know, I, (laughs) I'm a teacher, as you know, and I teach third graders and it is really, I don't want to say that it's easy, but we as human beings, I mean, I live this and see this every day as a teacher, we have the ability to change our behavior temporarily, you know, if needed, or we have the ability to act a certain way when we're supposed to act a certain way or turn it on, turn it off. We know what we're supposed to be doing if we're told and taught how to do it. For the most part, we know how to, how to play the part and we can do what we're supposed to and be obedient and whatnot. Um, But if there's no change within ourselves and if there's no um, deep, uprooting of whatever's in there, whatever mess is in there, then, then behavior and change is just temporary and it's just performance and it's shallow and it's not lifelong, long lasting, far reaching, and it it won't impact and change the people around us and our world. And so I feel like, you know, it's so easy as believers to focus on our outward behaviors, our outward appearance. What are we doing? What are we saying and all of those things are very important of course we are to pursue holiness and look like jesus of course um but we need god to change our hearts first and make us like like his son and when he does that then 
our behaviors are a reflection of the change that's taken place in our heart and yeah. our behaviors become less about performance and doing the right things and more of just an overflow of the work of Jesus and the work of the spirit in our hearts and in our souls. And so my encouragement would be God reveal in me sin, reveal in me areas that don't represent you and that don't see people the way that you see them. Give me eyes to see people the way that you see people and give me a clean heart. Give me a, a renewed spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and all of those good behaviors and all of those good things we should do will overflow and become much more genuine and impactful and permanent than just, you know, a temporary, I need to just do the right thing because I'm supposed to. Oh. Man, I just feel like we need to record that and play it over again, like three different times. It's just so good in the church, especially Morgan, to just call out like the behavior modification kind of way that we do faith because you're right. It does not sustain. And um, I, I think that's so true. And then there's probably a lot of us that hear what you're saying. And I've just recently come around to the idea of like repentance being actually the most straightforward path to freedom. Like that actually seeing my sin for what it is and God revealing that to me and coming full circle in his forgiveness and grace is like, there is not a freer, straighter Mm -hmm. path than that one. But I know because I used to be this girl that there's probably someone listening that's like, I don't want to ask him to show me my sin. Like I already feel bad about myself. Like I'm already insecure about who I am. Like, why do I need God to tell me that I'm worse? But can you speak to her? Cause I know you, you probably yes. have like great wisdom there, but like well, yeah. the one that's hesitant. I get that. I have felt that time and time again. I am such a natural perfectionist. I want to do the right thing and I want to follow the rules and I don't want to be in trouble and I don't want to disappoint anybody, especially God. Mm-hmm. And when I stop to remember that Jesus' blood covers me and I am covered by his righteousness and God sees me as holy and blameless, then I don't have to be so worried about my sin being exposed. I don't have to be so scared or embarrassed or ashamed that God's going to see the messiness in my heart. Um, because it's already been dealt with. It's already been atoned for Christ, his blood and his righteousness covers me and it counts for me too. And so I would just say, it's okay. When God sees you, he sees his son and he sees righteousness. And so we can come and we can approach the throne of God in confidence knowing that we will absolutely be forgiven. We are already set free. We have already been, been forgiven and shown an ex- extended grace, and God will do that time and time again, um, unconditional, without limits. And so just be mindful and remember what Jesus has, has done for you and his, what his life, death, and resurrection mean for you. It means freedom, of course, from, from eternity away from, from him and away from the Father, but it also means freedom from having to be perfect and having to pretend to not have it all together and, and be without sin. We don't have to live in that type of bondage. We can be free to say, God, I'm, I'm messy and there's sin in my heart and I need you. And we can have the confidence and the, the peace to know that 
he will see us and receive us because he sees us. He, when he looks at us, he sees Jesus and we're covered. Oh, love that. It's such good truth, such freeing truth. And again, probably should just be like put on rewind and listen to again for whoever that was made for or meant for. But um, yeah, I think in a lot of ways that the idea that we could come to him with our, our baggage. I think there's such like a, a movement in the church, especially, but kind of everywhere to know ourselves more, whether that's through things like the Enneagram or different personality tests or all of these things that are really trendy and important right now to show us ourselves. Um, a lot of times what we want to hear are the good sides, but part of becoming an authentic disciple of Jesus is being fully aware of the bad sides too and holding those hand in hand to say without Jesus I I can't do either well but at the same time like this makes me a full human being this makes me a woman who loves Jesus is that there are some great things that he did and he bestowed in me and there's also all of these other things that are not good but I'm holding those hand in hand because that is the human experience until we see him face to face and so I think that if you are someone that is like running hard after the like I want to know myself like that's something that I I am feeling a lot of freedom in that part of that is knowing like the underbelly and being okay with the idea that there's lots of things about Kristen or about Morgan or about you that aren't are less than pretty and God like you said does does not see us any differently so I love that I I would love to just kind of I'm going to ask you to close in prayer to to kind of end this but I would love for you um Morgan I don't know you enough to know if you like want to have like kids one day but I think the idea that you have a lot of hope like you said that I'm just picturing um either your kids or nieces and nephews or even the kids in your class, but specifically like speak to the biracial girl Mm -hmm. that will be coming after us. And what is your hope for her? Like, what do you see when you say you have hope? Like, I love that because that's, that's Jesus in you, but what are, what are you hoping for? Like, what, what are you hoping to see for that girl that's coming kind of after you and behind you. I want that girl to see herself the way that that God sees her, um, which is so loved and so cherished and so treasured. And I want her to believe as it's taken me a very long time to come to believe that God in his kindness and in his love and mercy and sovereignty knit her together, created her every single detail of who she is and what she looks like and the the texture of her hair and the color of her eyes and shade of her skin, all of that was intentionally, purposefully put together, set together by her creator and it's good. And God mm-hmm. is going to use her for good and God did not make mistakes when creating her and making her who she is and he has plans to use her and make her um, a vessel and a mouthpiece and a representation of the love of God and be something to the world that 
they may not otherwise get to experience if they if they didn't get the opportunity to experience that biracial girl because there's a story and uniqueness and perspective that God placed within her that he wants to use to impact other people. Hmm. I'm like nodding and fist pumping the whole time while you're <laughs> talking in my closet. But I just um it's so good. It's so important and I have that same hope too and um I think that like you need to know that just I know you through Instagram like that's just so how bonkers social media is is that it drives me up the wall like I hate it a lot of the days and then there's just these like golden moments where I'm watching an Instagram story and you're talking about biracial marriage and when you said mouthpiece like I immediately just thought of that moment of and really like just all you've said today too that God is so specifically using you as his mouthpiece in the wise words that you say and the way you're able to articulate to very different sides. And it's so important. It's so unique. It's so needed right now. And I'm so thankful for you, for, for that voice, for that mouthpiece and um, that you get to model that for the girl that we were just talking about and hoping for and how the world hopefully looks different for her when she's going through her life, um, too. So, um, would you just close us in prayer? I would love to pray for, um, just the woman that we talked about earlier that maybe has never honestly gone before the Lord and said, search my heart and really like do what you need to do, God, and show me my sin. Cause that can be intimidating. Pray for her, but then for anyone else that, or anything else that comes up in your heart where the spirit leads you, that we would love to close that way. Absolutely. Thank you, Kristen. God, we come before you and I just feel so grateful. Um, I feel grateful that you've given us the gift of community and sisterhood and friendship and that we have the opportunity to talk and to talk about you and to get to know one another. It's just such a gift that we often take for granted, especially in a season like this. And I just want to say thank you um, for using Kristen and for using this platform that you've given her, Lord, to initiate and to um, create space for these conversations. Thank you for the way that you're using her to bless others and um, to be a vessel for your truth. God, I pray for the girl, the woman, including myself, that is afraid to genuinely ask you to search her and know her heart and expose the sin and the darkness that's there. And God, I pray that you would remind her, that you would remind me that right in that place, God, you meet us. And you're not waiting for us to be something that we're not. You're not waiting for us to clean ourselves up first. God, you're not ashamed of us. You're not mad at us. We can come before you just as we are, and we can remember and know and believe, Lord, that you see us, that you love us, that you receive us, and that you have grace for us because of what your son Jesus did for us, because he died a death that we should have, God, because he lived a perfect life, and because he took on our sin, Lord, we are covered by his righteousness, and we are set free and redeemed before you, and I pray that you would Help us to really, truly believe that so that we can be sanctified, so that we can become more like you, so that we can look at our sin, look at it head on, and not be afraid to work through it and to unravel it, God. Mm -hmm. I pray that you would give us hearts that love you and that love people and that are willing um, 
to sacrifice our own preferences and our own goals and dreams, all those, although those things are really, really fun and exciting. God, I pray that you would just give us hearts that want to honor you and want to glorify you and want to be a blessing and a gift to others. Lord, use us and the gifts that you've given us for your kingdom, for your good, God, and make us, make us more like you. Um, God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your son and for, for your mercy. I pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Menachini. She is just the best, you guys. I got to talk to her for a while after we recorded and just got to hear a little bit more of what's going on with her. And she is someone that you're going to want to follow. And I linked that here in the show notes, but be sure to reach out to her and just thank her for the generosity to share her story in the kind of ways that she did and the encouragement that she gave us when it comes to what to pray in conversations like this if you are someone that is just kind of stuck and feels really scared like we talked about when it comes to asking God to search your heart or asking God to show you your specific sin I just want to tell you this morning as a result of the conversation I had with her I had prayer time with the Lord and just prayed that and you brace yourself a little bit because at first it feels a little scary but on the other side I cannot tell you the freedom that was gained in my heart and my life because I did this and it needs to be a regular practice in my life. So again, I just encourage you to do the same. Have some time, carve out some time with Jesus. Do that this week and go through the full cycle of his gospel to the point where you receive and taste grace in a brand new and refreshing way. I'm praying that for you guys this week and so thankful that you are here, that you joined us, and I cannot wait to see you soon.